Welcome to part three of three of our investigative series on the implications of raising the woof on rigor on student achievement. We're gonna look at the Eileen Depka book, Effective Questioning Strategies and Techniques for the Classroom and its implications on student achievement. Let's check it before we wreck it. Making a difference with questioning strategies. Questioning methods have been studied for centuries. The ancient Greek philosopher Socrates was well known and renowned for his ability to pose those questions in order to generate meaningful discussions. Have you ever heard of the Socratic method? I told you in the, in the early part of this episode, one of my favorite memories uh, of being in the classroom was the ping pong that was the volleyball game, that was the football game, that was the shared inquiry, where we could ping pong questions. We could spike like a volleyball. You know, we can uh, round robin, we can volley around these questions and capitalize upon questions and pose questions and learn the scope and sequence of listening, of, of speaking, and, and you know, and just there, there's some social cues in the order of a conversation. And you know what? It's a great exercise in the abilities of all learners. Because what I found was, is that when you give a mic to a student who may uh, be perceived as having a disability, perhaps maybe in reading comprehension or in their uh, orthography, their writing, they may have, you know, just a, a light, light lightning when you hand them a mic because they can speak their mind. They just have difficulty in processing that on paper. You see, and so typically, and I'm not trying to make a massive generalization, but gifted kids stunk at it, or what you would consider gifted kids. Why? Because they had, like, they're kind of monochrome. They're one-dimensional, and the fact that they, they're conduits, they're just big vessels of knowledge, but they don't know what to do with it. And so, as I've talked about in an earlier uh, podcast episode, people and students that come from poverty, look, they're endowed with relation, relational skills and comp compensatory skills, how to relate with one another, how to think about how teamwork makes the dream work. You see what I'm saying? So, questioning methods, they've been studied for centuries, but check this, more recently, however, John Dewey, and, and you're like, John Dewey, who in the blue is that a present? No. John Dewey promoted the importance of deep questioning in his 1910 title, How We Think. Now, he's kicking it old school, but this is as real as it gets. Dewey, in 1910, refers to thinking as a state of doubt, leading to, you know what, fruity booty investigations that prove or nullify one's beliefs. You know what, I'd like to think that when we're born, we're just born like a, a big fat ball of Play-Doh, and that this world can shape and mold us so far as we let it. But we're cultivated, we're shaped and molded, led, guided and, guided and directed in the direction that we will go in life based on the company that we keep by the parents that we are uh, entrusted with, by the community that we are entrusted with, by the culture that we are entrusted with, by the school in which we are entrusted with. And so, you know what? That rigidity, that, that shape-shifting of our ability to think, to prove, to nullify one's beliefs is where it's at, baby. It's that high-order thinking that, that just completely revolutionizes student achievement. Now, if you want to get Piaget with it, hey, that's why there's such a massive em emphasis today in, e in education and not just having students be facilitators of knowledge, regurgitators of knowledge. Holy hoot nanny, anybody can almost bubble a bubble on a test. I'm saying they need to be thinkers. They need to know what to do with the knowledge that they're acquiring because you know what? Once you become a great facilitator in that knowledge, that is where you make 
big change on this planet. Now, in addition to, uh, to what I've referred to from John Dewey, thinking helps us discover the meaning, okay, and importance of subject matter. Dewey, in his book, How We Think, he explains that limiting thought to or recall is contrary to creating an atmosphere, a learning laboratory, if you will, an environment, a culture where the mind is trained to think and process. John Dewey therefore promoted that questions that challenge the mind and create situations where thinking occurs at deep and complex levels. So, within the methods we use to generate the questions that we ask, why we ask the questions that we ask, the ratcheting of rigor uh, in explaining why we do what we do, there is room for change, perhaps even growth. If we find ways to increase, to blow up that student engagement, the amazement of engagement, guess what? Students will learn more and perhaps perform at higher levels. You wanna, you wanna blow up that student achievement, guess what? We need to ratchet the rigor. We need to think about the complexity of the questions we ask, going all the way back to the Greek philosopher Socrates. So according to Robin Jackson and Alison Zamuda in 2014, students, they can be compliant without being engaged. Look, that's, that's, that's peaceful protest. They don't wanna cause any problems with you, but they're show enough not paying attention to you. They don't cause problems. Engagement requires that students be involved in complex thinking. Are they attached? Are they uh, appended to what you're prescribing for their future? Many students find straightforward lower level questionings bo uh, boring. And so that's why I love seeing uh, the theater, the performance of a shared inquiry where they're volleying around questions, where students are posing questions of one another. It's a beautiful thing to see. You know what, richer questions are intellectually stimulating. Think about your gifted students. Now, they, they may not be gifted in the uh, arena, the avenue of articulation. Perhaps maybe they, they're really shy in public speaking. Shared inquiry is one of those things that, you know what, it puts them on the spot, but also it, it, it reminds us that great learning happens in close proximity of one another. Assessment, that's like literally the process of sitting next to someone and just being there and being a companion and, and being, able, be, being able to ping pong ideas and complexities of life back and forth from one another. Lower level questions might include specific dates, names, and places. That's the who, what, when, where. Now, these questions might have value in certain contexts, like rote memorization, but you know what? They should go beyond the factual, okay? Richer questions can include those that compare and contrast events because everyone is entitled to their own opinion, okay? And so everyone can have their own unique contribution to the assignment. To You know, when we create that atmosphere where you could be a risk taker and a student achievement backbreaker, you gotta understand that students will experience acceptable challenge. They're willing to do that. They want to achieve success. I don't think a student walks into class thinking, I really would prefer to be a failure today. No, they want to be successful. It's your job to equip them with the tools that they can use because you can't, you can't create the success for them. That's like good parenting. I can't, I can't make my child perfect, which no child will be, but I could entrust them. I could, I could uh, help them, lead them, guide them, direct them with the skill set, with the acquisition of skills and lessons and mistakes and failures that can help them to become great, effectual people. What we ask and why we pose the questions we do 
They impact our students. The way we challenge our students through the questions we ask can create personal meaning and associations with previously learned content, all of which leads to a new level of understanding. So in conclusion, I want you to understand that Think about the, we need, to, we need to question the questioning that we're employing in our classroom. And I know that you're like, hey, what? No, we need to give a lot of consideration to, to the, 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 the why of why we do what we do in our classroom. What exactly are we trying to do when we're, when we're trying to measure the performance of a student, whether or not they're accessing a standard, whether or not they're meeting the standard, whether or not they're not meeting the standard, whether they're exceeding and exploding upon that standard. And so we need to think about how we can better enable, better prepare these students for a, for a climate, for a nation, for a possibility, an opportunity that has not even presented itself yet. Just to conclude, look, when I was in third grade, I never could have dreamed that the world would have had the iPhone. But look what we can do with the iPhone now. You are preparing your kids for a world that doesn't even exist. You are, you are entrusted with an amazing responsibility to help them understand the levity of what lies in the future.